I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. And this video class is based on 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 9. Probably there will be two classes based on this passage. So this would be the first of two videos based on 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. Remember, the content of this epistle is from God through Paul to Timothy and for our learning and application today. Remember, Paul nears the end of his life and he has a concern about the continuation of the Lord's work on earth through men like Timothy and Titus. Let's see what is written in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households, and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. So these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. When this passage is read, our first thought might be, this is about the end of time. This reference to the last days means right before the end of the world, right before Jesus comes. Let me give you two reasons why that cannot be what Paul is talking about. Number one, if this is about the period of time right before the end of the world, it wouldn't have any meaning or relevance for Timothy. He couldn't do anything about it. Timothy is not here today. Paul in verse five said Timothy was to avoid such people. So these were people in the time of Timothy he was to avoid. So that's one reason why we should not assume that this is about the time right before the end of the world. Timothy would encounter these people in his lifetime, and his duty would be to avoid them. Timothy read this indictment of the moral climate of his own day his own time. <clears throat> Number two, 
Biblical usage will not allow that this is about the time right before the end of the world. It was the conviction of the writers of the New Testament that Jesus Christ, by his incarnation, was ushering in the final dispensation, sometimes called the last days. There will not be another dispensation before the end of the world. Peter on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem quoted Joel chapter 2 that said, These are the last days. Paul and Timothy lived in the last days, the final dispensation of time, and we also live in the last days. So there is simply no biblical evidence. Paul was talking about some future time way out there beyond Timothy's generation and immediately preceding the end of the world. Timothy, as an evangelist and as one charged to teach and remind the brethren, needed to know what he was facing, what kinds of difficulties he would have to stand against in his life and his circumstance as a soldier in the Lord's army in his own time. It is significant Paul uses this word translated difficulty or difficult in verse 1. In the King James, it is perilous. In the NIV, it's terrible. In the New American Standard, it's difficult. If people today who are interested in some sort of religious practice want what is easy, without any challenge or hardship, real New Testament Christianity will not satisfy them. Jesus and his apostles made it very clear to serve God with full commitment and zeal. You enter into fellowship with God, but you may enter into hardship with other people. You encounter difficulties. So verse 1 of 2 Timothy 3, understand this that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Paul then gives this bundle of words and phrases, a list, designed to characterize the evil of Timothy's time that remains the evil of our time. See, to be prepared and ready to respond as God expects, it's valuable to know the specifics of the difficulty Christians face. Before we look through this catalog of vices, may I make this observation? We will not find in this list every conceivable sin, error, or wrong. Paul is not making any attempt to identify every conceivable sin. I don't know what the number would be of those. For instance, there are people who are just not as faithful as they should be, but they are not abusive or treacherous. Each of us can look into our hearts, find thinking patterns and attitudes we know are not what they should be. I hope we are consistently working on those spiritual deficiencies. But that doesn't put us in this category. These people are profoundly committed hypocrites who did their damage in Timothy's time and who still do their evil work today. 
Not every sin is listed in this catalog of vices, but there was this type of ungodliness Paul described, and I've chosen the label profoundly committed hypocrites. Following the ESV, people will be lovers of self. That's verse 2. People will be lovers of self. Did you know this is one of the common and celebrated mantras of our time? From the secular world, without regard to anything the Bible says, love yourself. And this is promoted in our world without any reference to God, his purpose, Christ, or his teaching. There is a website called How to Love Yourself in 24 Steps. Diet products are marketed under that desire. I found this banner the other day. Your life is a journey of learning to love yourself. Now, there is a love for self that is legitimate and taught by the Lord in Mark 12, 31, but that's not what the world is talking about. That love for self in Mark 12, 31 is connected to your acknowledgement of God who made you in his image. Paul is talking about people who love self apart from any connection with God, apart from any such acknowledgement of the value of Christ in his death. These are profoundly committed hypocrites. Lovers of money, not earners of money. It's okay to earn money. Not owners of money. It's okay to own money. Lovers of money. Self-love may well take one to this, to the love of money, which Paul said already back in 1 Timothy 6.10 is a root of all kinds of evil. The next two let's take together, proud and arrogant. Some translations have the term boastful or boasters. These are people without any real consistent connection to or acknowledgement of God, and therefore there is an exaggerated and elevated opinion of themselves. The contrary of this is 1 Corinthians 1.31, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Abusive, we're still in verse 2, abusive, the King James has blasphemous. The, these are people in the culture today and in Timothy's time, in Paul's time, who just don't care what they say or do about God or man. They will slander, blaspheme, offend, insult, without consideration of conscience or standard. Their talk is just not unguarded, but intentionally malicious. These people are profoundly committed hypocrites. Disobedient to parents. Scripture says children are to honor, respect, and obey their parents. If children can learn respect for authority in the home, it will serve them well later in life. A healthy and disciplined respect for parents and love for God 
will always lead young people in the right direction. But among those who are profoundly committed hypocrites, the respect for parents is not taken seriously. Ungrateful. Still in verse 2. Ungrateful. It is notable when the Bible speaks of men and women declining into sin and absence of gratitude is often mentioned. In Romans 121, Paul speaks of decline into sin with this, this statement. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. What is clear is a good relationship with God that includes gratitude to him can keep us on the right course away from these sins. Hypocrites have no concern about real inner gratitude, though they may use such words. Unholy, still in verse 2. We're at the end of verse 2. Unholy means not devoted to God, therefore open to all that is corrupt and impure. Heartless in verse 3. In the King James, without natural affection. People with good and honest hearts have a natural affection and conscience, even if they're not well-trained in Scripture. There is a natural affection that we are all capable of being made in the image of God. It says in verse 3, second word in the ESV, unappeasable. In the NIV, unforgiving. If you offend some people, or if they just perceive you have offended them, they will never forget it. They will refuse to be reconciled. I heard in a movie one time, mess with me once, and that's it. That's unappeasable. Slanderous. The King James says, false accusers. They will say anything, true or false, kind or unkind, so long as it is in their interest. There is no concern about evidence, but rather reckless, careless, impulsive. Without self-control, people who are self-centered and who love themselves generally exhibit an absence of discipline or self-control. There is no restraint, no discretion. If they want to do it, they do it, no matter the outcome. Brutal, still in verse 3. The King James says, fierce. In the hearts of these people, there is no sense of care for people, no justice or kindness. I tell you, uh, these people being described here are profoundly committed hypocrites. Not loving good. That comes as no surprise. Treacherous. The violent conduct of a traitor or a criminal. That's in verse 4. Reckless. That's that impulse to act before you think. Swollen with conceit is a further description of self-love and pride. Then it says, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That phrase captures so well what the culture around us is all about. 
personal pleasure, temporary satisfactions. That's, that's what the culture around us is all about. There is no love for God. The contemporary English version says, instead of loving God, they love pleasure. Now, before we move to verse five, two points need to be made. One, I remind you, not every conceivable sin is listed here. Paul is talking about people who are just not, they're not aligned with God. And this is not about people who are just not spiritually mature as they ought to be, but they're growing. These are profoundly committed hypocrites. And proof of that comes in verse 5. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Paul is talking here about people who profess to be godly but it is only an outward appearance. They want to be seen and known as Christians, but they don't really want to be Christians in heart and life. No, they are profoundly committed hypocrites. Now, all this warning, this lengthy catalog of moral vice and spiritual failure <clears throat> comes to the point for Timothy and for us. What do we do about all this? Three words, avoid such people. You see that at the end of verse five? What do we do about all these people? Profoundly committed hypocrites, unappeasable, slanderous, brutal, no self-control. What do we do about these people? Avoid such people. Those described by Paul liked the visible expression of godliness. They wanted to look like Christians, but really they were profoundly committed hypocrites. When this is clear to us about a person or group, we have the same obligation Paul gave to Timothy, avoid such people. Here we need to learn free and unguarded association with just anybody is not only not recommended, we are told in these explicit terms about these kind of people, avoid them. Now, perhaps some of this sort of takes care of itself. Because as Christians, we are not inclined to make good friends with people like this. We are not attracted to people like this. We do not seek out association with people who are reckless and heartless and swollen with conceit. But these corrupt realities may not appear on the surface since these people are hypocrites. As soon as we discover the real sinful nature of the people, this duty kicks in. Avoid such people. Some wrap-ups, and we'll continue in this passage in the next video. The form the form without the inner reality is not only of no spiritual value, it is corrupt and degenerative. The gospel calls upon people to respond to God from the heart and then live for God from the heart on the outside. It is from the inside out 
So the outer without the inner has no value and corrupts us. We can't just connect with everybody. We can't just bring anyone in and extend fellowship to just anyone as an act of kindness. There are certain people we must avoid and have no association with. The only way to reach these people is to give them the only way of escape, the gospel of Christ. We'll continue in the next video with this passage. Thank you for listening.